Thank you for listening to the Soul City Church podcast. Be sure to follow us on our Facebook and Instagram at Soul City Church. For more information, visit us on our website, soulcitychurch.com. Well, good morning, Soul City. How are we doing? Good, good. It is good to be together, and I am excited to dive into week two of our Relationship Goals series. And if you were here last week, we talked about the reality that when it comes to a goal, that if you aim at nothing, you'll hit it every time. Remember that? Remember that idea that that's not just true in our relationships, that's true when it comes to any goal that we might have. If you don't have a clear aim, if you don't know what you're going for, then you're going to hit it every single time. If you aim at nothing, you'll hit it every time. And so relationship goals, we want to talk about how do you actually have God at the center of the bullseye when it comes to our relationships. And I'm excited. I invited my favorite person in the world to preach with me this morning. You didn't so much invite me as told me. I did. That is true. I told him I need you to preach with me this morning, but you said yes. I did. And I am glad that you did. And we're excited to peel back some of the layers of our own relationship and share what we have learned along the way. And I want to be honest right up front We dated for three years, uh, got engaged, and then we've been married for 23 years. And so the collective 26 years of relationship... I feel like they should be giving it up more for that. Okay, thank you. All right, good, good. I just felt like... The the 26 years have proven that we are very far from perfect. Yes. (laughs) That we have a lot of work to do in our relationship, but... If you think about 26 years, that's a long time. That's a couple of decades and some change, right? And so we went digging for some photos of way back in the day at the start of our relationship. And uh, this is pre-digital. Yeah, like you didn't uh, you get to, to like take, redo yes. it. You just had to. This is, this is Jarrett and Jeannie dating. Look at those dating. silly gooses. Yep, they're so fun with Look your puka that. shells. I, I wore that puka shell necklace way were, too long. You were committed, yeah. committed to that way look. Yep, and uh, so this is us. We were going to some kind of formal. This we're... is pre-Jarrett learning about hair products. I did not know. I just thought um, you just went out of the shower and, and went. Yep, yep. I also think I'm, I'm wearing like my uncle's pants. I have no idea. <laughs> Those are the most ill-fitting pants ever. <laughs> I've gone the opposite end of the yeah, spectrum. Yeah, yeah. So these are two kids in love and... Pre-filters um, on phones. Clearly pre-filters on phones where you can see everything. And I share those photos. I share those photos because, gosh, it has been a journey for us over the last 26 years. There have been many highs. And like any relationship, there have been many lows. And we have learned so much. God has taught us so much along the way. And it has not been easy. It has not been easy. Now, I, I, I saw that in your notes. I want to be clear. It has not been easy. That doesn't mean that I have not been easy. I would contend that I am perhaps the easiest person in the world to love. And I, and I think if we took a poll, everyone here would say, easily the easiest person to love. It's my sense. No. I've heard... I see you. Thank you. I, th- I think it would be interesting know. if we took a poll and yeah. to just see what, what that So you're saying it say. has not been easy. That doesn't mean I have yes, been easy. Yes, you I've... are so easy to love. Oh, here. thank you, babe. So That's all easy, I wanted to hear. So easy to love. But along the way, uh, God has taught us a ton. He's taught us a ton. And we have had our fair share of strongly worded conversations, translation, arguments, fights. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have patterns that we didn't even know about were alive and at work in our lives before we started dating and before we got married that we brought into our relationship and then patterns that we developed in our relationships, some of those conscious, some of those unconscious. And in the bumps along the way, we have learned how to navigate a few things. And what we want to do today is we want to share some of those things with you. And what's interesting to me is um, Dr. John Gottman. He is a marriage and family counselor. Uh, he's an expert in the field of relationships. And he really does a lot of research around relationships and why they work and then sometimes why they don't. And he found that the five most common issues that couples fight about are consistent 
over and over and over again. In fact, I'm curious. I just want you to, if I, if I name this issue and you have had a strongly worded conversation about this issue with a significant other, I just want you to put your hand up in the air. He says that one of the areas that uh, people in a relationship tend to fight about is their time and their free time. And who gets free time? Am I the o- honestly, I'm the only one. Okay, time. I thought okay, so. Okay, this guy over here has two yes. hands in the air. Yeah, okay, good. Uh, yes. yes, so <laughs> we'll meet afterwards. Mm-hmm. Uh, he said the second area is money. That mm-hmm. money is a consistent area that couples tend to fight over and they struggle with. Tammy, when um, do we, don't we have a budget boot camp coming up? Okay, so budget boot camp. We can fix that fight at budget boot camp yes, coming up. Yes, yes. Awesome. Free shout out. Uh, The third area is housework. Who does what or perhaps who doesn't do anything um, is also a fight that tends to show up in relationships that one person feels like they are carrying more of the load when it comes to their household. The fourth is physical intimacy sex, that that regularly comes up. No one wants to raise their hand on this one, Chidi. No one wants to admit this one. We will both honestly raise our hands in this house and give you permission to raise your own. Come on. So how does that fit into a relationship, sex, intimacy? And then the fifth is extended family. How do you have relationships? Somebody very quickly in the back put their hand up. It was really funny. At the 830 service, my mom was here. And so Jared was like, can I put my hand up? I don't know. Yes, no, maybe. Um, This is the real shocker. This is the real shocker, though, that he says. 69% of marriage conflicts, relationship conflicts, are never solved or resolved. Wow. They're never solved. They're never resolved. Do you know what that means? Do you know what the translation of that means? That means that we are having the same fight over and over and over again. We're just returning to the same patterns. We're returning to the same things. That the thing that you started fighting about or disagreeing about or struggling with is probably the same thing that you are coming back to over and over and over in your relationship. Yeah, so what we want to do this weekend is look at what can be a seismic shift in your relationships, in all of your relationships, dating, marriage, but and beyond as well. What we want to look at is how do we move from fighting with to fighting for. How many of y'all know there's a big difference between the two? Moving from fighting with someone to fighting for a relationship. Now, listen, let's be honest. It's easy to fight with someone. People do it with strangers online all day, <laughs> right? We're good at fighting with people. And it's actually, we're surprisingly good at fighting with people that we do know and that we do love. And part of the reason is that the more time You spend with someone, and the more you see them, and the more they see you, they see warts and all. They see all of you, and it is surprisingly easy how we can fight with each other, even given how much we know each other and we love each other. But one thing that we actually don't actually disagree about is we're going to fight. There's going to be things that we fight about, and so what we rather would do is instead of fighting with each other, how do we fight for this relationship? How do we really fight for each other. And so what we want to do is look at an upside-down teaching of Jesus that you might be familiar with, but I think it's so profound, and it just it draws out and points to a tendency in most all of us, just every one of us, really, in every relationship we have. And it's found in the book of Matthew. So I want you to grab a Bible and open to Matthew chapter 7. There should be a Soul City Bible right under your seat. Go ahead. That's why everyone's reaching forward to grab it, or in the balcony. Uh, you can grab it if you're watching online right now. You can open to Matthew chapter 7. In the Soul City Bible, it's page 788. That'll get you there a little bit quicker. Page 788 will get you to Matthew chapter 7. Let me give you some quick context as to where we're at in this passage and where we're actually going. This is in the middle towards the end of the most famous sermon of Jesus' life and the most famous sermon in the history of the world, the Sermon on the Mount. And what is the Sermon on the Mount? It is Jesus' manifesto for what life in the kingdom of God is like. It's his manifesto for what life in relationship with God is like and what life in relationship with each other can be like. And so Jesus gives us this profound metaphor that I think just, it just hits it right on the head. And uh, it shows about how we can just obsess about other people's faults all the while ignoring our own. So this is Matthew chapter 7, verse 3. This is what it says. 
Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your, and, and we changed it on the screen to say partner. So why do you look at your partner? Because it's weird when we were talking about relationships and it's your brother. That's weird. So we talk about partners. So why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your partner's eye and pay no attention to the what? Pay no attention to the plank. plank. Say it again. Pay no attention to the plank. plank in your own eye. Why are you so obsessed with the little speck in their eye? and ignoring the plank that's in your own eye. How many of y'all have ever heard this metaphor before? Awesome, then you know exactly where Jesus is going. He says this in verse four, how can you say to your partner, here, let me take the little speck out of your eye when all the time there is a plank in your eye. Now, if you've heard this one before, it's easy to read these words and go, oh yeah, yeah, that makes sense to me. And just kind of think of it as a metaphor, but you have to think about how visceral and visual this imagery is that Jesus is giving us. Just try and imagine how silly that would look. I mean, what basically Jesus is saying is, like imagine Jeannie had a little eyelash in her eye and how silly it would be for me to come in and say, hey, Jean, you need to see, you have actually like a little eyelash. No, you can't see it. Let me just see if I can help you out here. No, let me just get it. It's right over here. It's right over here. And can you see how silly this looks for me to walk around trying to get something out of her eye when all the while I have this giant plank in my eye? Do you see what Jesus is getting at? This is what we so often actually miss. It is so easy for us to see the blind spots in others all the while being blind to our own. Yeah. All the while ignoring what is actually ours to own. And let's be really honest. The reason why we do this is it's far more fun to fix someone else than to focus on our own mm. faults. Yeah. Let me say that again because it's true. It's far more fun for me to try and fix her faults or point them out than it is to focus on my own, my own faults, my own flaws, my own shortcomings. We overlook, often overlook what is ours to own. How many of y'all know this to be true of you? It's true of me. It's true of actually all of us. And what we find is when this is our strategy, when we're just walking around with planks in our own eyes, trying to take care and fix everyone else, do you know what that actually does? It fixes nothing. Mm -hmm. And what does it actually create? More fights and more drama in our life. Jesus says there is a better way. Yeah, and he goes on and he actually says quite firmly, what are the words that he says? You what? You, you hypocrite, hypocrite right? I'm messing around. You hypocrite. First take the plank out of your own eye, and then you will actually be able to see clearly to remove the speck from your partner's eye. Now, it makes sense when you actually step back, right? It makes sense if you're just reading this and you go, yeah, Jesus, this, this teaching makes so much sense. It, of course, if there's a big old plank in my eye, but all I'm trying to focus on is that little speck over there, of course, I need to look at this thing that's over here. But what happens is we start to get fixated on you versus me. You versus me. You versus me. And, and what Jesus is trying to bring home here is that when I focus on the flaws in you, I miss the work God's inviting me to do. Yeah. That every time I focus in on something in you, big or small, every time I focus on the flaws in you, what happens, the byproduct of that, the byproduct of me focusing on something that I think needs to change in Jared's life, the byproduct is my transformation doesn't happen. I miss the work that God's inviting me to do because I'm paying attention to the transformation that I think needs to happen <laughs> in Jared. And I miss what God's inviting me to do. Now, there's a popular term in psychology, popular psychology, that actually speaks to this phenomenon. It's actually called spot it, got it. Hmm. Spot it, got it. And psychologists speak of this, and, and when they talk about this, it essentially means, in other words, that lots of times the thing about you that's bugging me is actually something in me that I don't want to look at. It's a way for me to avoid, 
It's a way for me to live in denial. It's a way for me to just kind of not pay attention to something that God might be wanting to do in me and instead look over there, but God in a loving way, spotted God is giving me a mirror that that thing over there in Jared actually might have something to do with something that's going on in me. And I notice this when it comes to the different patterns of things that we find ourselves getting stuck in. When it comes to our budget, if there's a moment where I kind of notice like, wow, there's a lot of Amazon boxes showing up here, and they all say Jared Stevens. Huh, interesting. But I'm unwilling to look at the box that says Jeannie Stevens <laughs> that just showed up that I want to fixate on, does he know that we have a budget, we have a line item for that? Has he paid attention to it? Has he gone into our mint.com and reconciled it? <laughs> Has he, right? Right? Or, or here's another one. When it comes to physical intimacy, it's so easy for those of us that are married to say, I mean, gosh, I mean, our physical intimacy would be a lot better if, if he pursued me more all the while not paying attention to how am I pursuing Jared? And I put all the onus over there. I say it's his responsibility to do that and pay no attention to what's going on over here. Uh, another one that is, uh, comes up all the time, and I will get so worked up inside of myself when it comes to this one, and I'll say to myself, gosh, he is so good at free time. I mean, it's like he majored in it or something. Yeah. Like he just knows how to have I free excel. time. I excel in free time. He just knows how to, to put that headphone in and go into another world and listen to that podcast. And he has absolutely no problems ignoring the fact that there are literally loads of dishes in our kitchen. And he is perfectly content watching that show right now. It feels great. And do you know what is happening every single time? When I fixate on that, all I'm doing is ignoring that I am not doing any self-care over here. It's so much easier for me to blame Jarrett for being good at free time instead of going, Jeannie, what's going on inside of you that you are unwilling to pause to rest, to slow down, to let the dishes stay in the sink and actually breathe. Hmm. And so often, I don't want to do my work over here because it feels more powerful to blame over there. And that's what Jesus is trying to get at in this passage, you guys. He's trying to get at the idea. It is about the plank that is coming out of your eye. Yeah. That's where you need to do your work. So how do we take this upside-down wisdom of Jesus that Jeannie was just talking about, and how do we actually begin to apply it into our everyday relationships? Again, all of our relationships. What we want to do is, building off of this wisdom of Jesus, share with you a framework that has radically revolutionized our relationship, and I really mean it. And I think we kind of stumbled into this, uh, figuring this out through a lot of help of others, but we came up with a language that has massively, massively helped us. And I want to be really clear about this. It's just a framework. It is not going to fix and apply to every relationship in every situation, but it's a framework for understanding how relationships work. And I'm honestly, like, I'm thinking about us writing a book on this because this is the book that those kids in the silly hats needed. This kind of framework, this kind of language, this kind of way of understanding each other and understanding these kind of relationships. So what I want to break down just for the next few moments is how relationships work. That's all. Just that. How, <laughs> no, really, how do relationships actually work? How, how do you move from falling in love to growing in love? Now, listen, it's a lot easier to fall in love than it is to grow in love. Falling in love is fun. Growing in love takes work and it takes time. How do you actually have a transforming relationship? 
And what we want to share with you today is actually something that anyone can do, regardless of your relationships or whether you're in a relationship right now or not. This is like what we're going to talk about. If you're not in a relationship, maybe you're single or you're newly single. This is something that you can actually get to work on today so that when you are in a relationship, you'll be so good at it, you can just tell them you came up with it on your own. All right? So you might want to jot this down. If it helps, we hope it helps. Built off this teaching of Jesus, we want to talk about how relationships work. So here's how, you ready? Here's how relationships work. It starts with my work. Jot that down. Here's how relationships work. It starts with my work. Then there's your work, right? So there's my work to do, there's your work to do, and then from there, there's our work. You see that? My work, your work, our work. All three are incredibly important, but very different from each other. But they are essential. We believe it's essential for a relationship to work. It takes all three of those. For you to actually be better together, it takes my work, your work, and our work that we're actually going to share together. So let's start with something that, again, that all of us can get to work on right today, and that's my work. Can I just break this down for a second with you? What does it mean when we're talking about my work? When we say my work, we're talking about the plank that Jesus was talking about. Mm -hmm. That's the my work part. What's the stuff that, the blind spots in me that I'm unwilling to see? What's my work that is uniquely mine to do? All of us have our own work to do. It's going to look different for all of us, but all of us have our own work to do. True? That's why we built this church on the idea of transformation, that Jesus not only saves us, but changes us. That actually he molds us and helps us become who we were created to be. And if there's a phrase to think about, a little mantra when it comes to my work, it's really simple. Again, you might want to jot this down. It's just this. I own it. I'm on it. I own it. I'm on it. I'm on it. I own it. I'm on it. What do we mean by that? When we say that, I own it and I'm on it. Start with I own it. If you, can you just for a second, before I go any further, think of all the fights, all the fun fights you've had, right? The not so fun fights you've had. Can you imagine how much it would radically change your relational world if we just got just that phrase right? I own it. Hmm. I own it. Just that's me. Yeah, that's me. That's my stubbornness. That's my selfishness. Mm -hmm. That's my anger. That's my fear. I own it. It takes all of the fight out of the fight. Mm. I mean, you can kind of keep on going fighting, but it's just not as fun. When you just say, that's me. Mm -hmm. I see it. I take responsibility. I own it. I'm not a victim. It's not your fault. I'm so busy over here pointing fingers that I've missed. I need to own this. This one's on me. I want to take this seriously, I see how this part of me has hurt you, and I own it, and I'm on it. I'm actually going to do something about it. I'm going to get some help. I'm going to do my work, and for us, what that's meant, and for many in this church, what it's meant is I'm going to get the help of a counselor, a therapist. I'm going to actually join a recovery group because this pattern that I brought into our relationship is not only destroying our relationship, it's destroying me. I'm on it. I'm going to take radical responsibility. Not I'm going to get on it. I'm on it Mm. today. I own it and I am on it. Again, all of us have our own work to own. And we have to choose. You have to decide whether you're willing to be on it, to actually do something about it. Now, for Jeannie and I, there's lots of things in our relationship that really are mine to own and mine to get on. And one of those areas is around the things that I get stressed out about and I get anxious about, I get nervous about, I get worried about. And for Jeannie and I, we're just very wired very, 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 very differently. Jeannie has a remarkable, you have a remarkable way of just trusting that it's all going to work out. You just have, it is beautiful, actually. It's not that you're irresponsible. Anyone who knows Jeannie knows she is not irresponsible. But you have this beautiful trust in God that it's going to be okay. It's going to work out. We'll make it there on time. We'll make it to that flight. And if we don't, there's probably another flight. It's all going to be okay with God. It is a beautiful way to approach life. It's not how I approach life. <laughs> That's not my framework. My framework is we got to get going. We got to get moving. We got to factor in traffic. Have you even thought about that? We'll be out running errands. She's like, oh, I just need to do one more errand. I'm like, okay, where? It's in the loop. 
I hate driving in the loop. And she's like, it's okay, we'll just park out front. I'm like, there is no parking out front in the loop. And I'm getting all stressed out. I'm getting all worked up, right? Because that's just kind of how I approach it. She's not worried about it. She's like, oh, it's really fine. We will figure it out. We'll work it out. And I can get all stressed out in that moment. And it's so easy for me in those moments where it's my own stress. It's my own scarcity. It's my own anxiety. And again, you may think of that and go, well, that seems silly and small. Great. It's my work, not yours, okay? That's mine. <laughs> Your work is to stop judging me for my work, okay? <laughs> Start there, okay? I'm just giving you one example. So listen, in that moment, it's so easy for me to just go, God, gee, it would be so much easier, Jeannie, if you just valued the same things I value. If you just saw the world I, the way I see the world. If you just cared about getting out of here on time and factoring in traffic and making sure you got the app downloaded so that we can make sure that our flight, it's so easy for me to assume that her work is to just do life like me. It's my work to go, why am I getting so stressed out right now in this moment? Why am I so anxious right now in this moment? God, what's going on here? What do you want me to see? Because I can get so blinded by this and think that it's all her fault or it's all her responsibility. And, you know, meanwhile, I'm downstairs stressed out. We got to go. We're going to be late. We got to go. What are they going to think if we're late? What are they going to think of us? They're going to tell other people that we're late all the time. And meanwhile, she's upstairs getting ready for over an hour, you know, like, you know, and when I come up to her and say, hey, do you know what time it is? It's not because I don't know what time it is. It's because I believe she doesn't. And most of the time I don't. And you don't. You don't care. You're like, it's fine. We'll be okay. It'll all be okay. It's not her work to do it like me. And it's not her work to do my work for me. It is not her job to actually do my work for me. That's mine to do. I am just amazed at the lengths I will go to deceive myself about mm. myself mm. and how easy it is for me to blame her, how easy it is for me to blame others, and how blind I can be, how I can deceive myself that my way is the right way. When instead the invitation from Jesus is pay attention to that. What's the work there for you to do? So there's my work and then... And then there is your work. And this is when Jesus is talking about the speck. And all of us have our work to do. And there is no shame in that. I have mine, you have yours. And when it comes to your work, when it comes to Jared's work, my posture is to say, I get it, you got this. I get it. You're doing your work. You're figuring out why you have anxiety right now. I, I, I say to Jarrett, I get this truly in a posture of compassion, not in a posture of superiority, not in a posture of you have a whole lot of issues and you better fix those issues. I truly have compassion and look over there and say, I get it. I get it. There's some anxiety going on. There's some worry going on. And then with a posture of support, I say, you got this. You got this. I'm with you. I'm for you. you know, take the example of us driving through the loop, right? And, and I see, I, I literally look over and I see that there's anxiety starting to come up. I see that Jared is feeling worried. I see that, you know, he's kind of white knuckling the steering wheel, right? You know, and like his face is turning red. There's a couple of options for me in that moment. I can start to shovel more over there. Gosh, looks like you're really anxious. Gosh, looks like you're really having a hard time driving through the loop, right? And just pile more over there in a spirit of condemnation. Or I can lovingly say, hey, I get it. It's kind of stressful down here right now, right? A lot, of, a lot of people driving around, and there's a lot going on here. Is there anything I can do to support you? Is there anything that I can do to come alongside of you? Compassion and support, not coaching, mm -hmm. not trying to fix. But so often, that's what we try to do. We try to actually jump over into the driver's seat and grab the wheel with the person, right? And what does that do? It makes it worse. Yeah. It makes it worse. Makes it but this is, this is the power of your work. You get to say, I get it, and you got this. 
I noticed this uh, this last week. I went out of town for a quick little trip. Uh, I was a part of the Alpha Conference, and I was gone for 48 hours. And I, I left on Thursday morning real early, and, and actually my flight was delayed and then canceled, and so it was kind of like this comedy of errors. I eventually got there. And when I landed, you know, and you go off of airplane mode, you know, all your messages come in, right? You know, and so all my messages came in that I had missed while I was on the flight. And I was there and I looked and I saw, oh gosh, there's like three from Jarrett. I wonder what's going on. And the first one was, babe, I'm not feeling good. I was like, oh man. And then I saw another one. Really? I mean, I think I might be sick. Like I feel terrible. You know, I, I, you know, I just, I feel awful. And then there was another one gosh, I, I, I just really don't feel well. Well, of course, instantly, right? I, I love my husband, and I was like, honey, are you okay? You know, what's going on? And texted him right back, and he, you know, instantly texted me and said, yeah, this is, this is bad. I do, not, I do not feel good. I'm wondering, you know, do I have the flu or something like that? You know, so what did, what did I do? I, of course, was like, oh, honey, I'm so sorry. You know, like, you know, do, did you take some medicine? Did you take your temperature? I just got some Gatorade. Maybe you need some electrolytes. You're like, did you lay down or something like that? You know, maybe that would help, you know? And he's like, okay, thanks, thanks. You know, and then a few minutes later, I get another text that says... I wouldn't say says, a few minutes. It may have been like 10 minutes or 15 minutes. <laughs> yeah, there, there was another text. Actually, and the text was... You know, I, he didn't say the text, but you know how when you can read a text and you can feel the tonalness in it, like it's all caps and there's a lot of exclamation marks? I'm really sick. And the really was capitalized. You know, and so I was like, babe, you know, you really, you might want to lay down. You might want to do something about this. You know, like remember when you had strep back in December? We went to that Northwestern Clinic over there on Lake. You might want to go there. It's so easy. Like, they already have your insurance card on record. Like, you don't even have to take it with you. Like, you can just go, and they're going to give you medicine. And we have health insurance, and it'll probably cost, like, $5. Like, and you can just go and do that, right? And um, so I asked him while we were writing this message, I said, hey, are you cool if I share that story about when you got sick? You know, we always ask permission. He said, yeah, totally. And so when he said yes, I went back and I counted how many texts Jarrett sent me saying he wasn't feeling well. Ten. I just wanted to make sure you got it. Ten text messages saying it was really, really bad. And mind you, I have created in our upstairs linen closet a set of bins that literally have labels on them that say, when you have a cold, when you have an upset stomach, when you have a headache, and you just pull the bin out and take that medicine. Couldn't be easier. None of those things he did. I eventually did. None of those things he did. And so I decided, I decided in that moment, this is Jared's work. <laughs> and he's, he's a piece of work. <laughs> he has been a grown adult in this world for a really long time. Like many, many decades. Been on the planet. He's been sick before. He's going to be okay. And I just decided in that moment, um, I get it, and you got this. Literally. Go to the you labels. Got this. You yep. got this. Yeah. And, and you know, what was so good for me was to not get myself all worked up about helping him and fixing him. I was supportive. Mm -hmm. I was sure. encouraging. I was loving. But I didn't have to become his doctor in that moment, right? Now, this is a silly example. It's a funny way that we can kind of pull ourselves into somebody else's work. We do this often in relationships. I can't tell you how many emails I have gotten from other people saying, would you be willing to send the counseling referral list to my spouse? Could you give me a book recommendation for my partner? Friends, we cannot do someone's work for them. That creates a codependent relationship and enablement. Yeah. That's the technical terminology for what you're doing when you do that.
Now, I believe it comes from a beautiful heart. I believe it comes from a desire to see someone grow. I believe it comes from, I love this person and I see them stuck and I don't want them to be stuck and their stuckness is impacting me and I want them to get unstuck. But here's the thing, you can't get them unstuck. Only they can get themselves unstuck. You cannot do their work for them. That's why there's my work and your work. That's right. So there's my work, your work, and then we mentioned there's our work. And it's really important to know the difference between the two. Now, our work is oftentimes where we start. Lots of times, like Jeannie just said, this is where people want help is when they get into a fight, there's been another breakdown, there's been another blow up, and it's like, oh my gosh, we need, we need to do something to fix us quickly. And I think, that's a, I think that's a beautiful thing, actually. We need to do something about us. I think what that is saying, in essence, is we're worth the work. Mm-hmm. We're worth the work. If, it wasn't, if we weren't worth the work, then you wouldn't care about doing any more work. You just say, you know what, on to the next. See ya. But when you believe we are worth the work, I think that's a beautiful way to say, okay, what is our work to do? But I just would contend that it's not the place to start. It starts with my work, mm-hmm. me supporting you while you do your work, and then we can actually do our work together. Relationships that work, relationships that actually go the distance, that thrive in this life, involve everyone doing their work. And this has been true for Jeannie and I. I mean, there were uh, years of counseling. Jeannie started going to counseling first, and when I saw how she was doing her work, it inspired me. And for a little while, I tried to pretend like I was going to counseling too by using phrases I heard her mention from her counseling <laughs> sessions. But that's just like a, like a contact high of counseling. That doesn't really actually help for anything. So then I started going to do my work. And after years of both of us doing work in counseling, we got to a point in our relationship where we realized, okay, we're, we're, we need some help. So we started going to couples counseling together. And you know, what was so brilliant about this counselor. He met with us a couple times. And then he said, I want to meet with you separately, Jarrett. And I want to meet with you separately, Jeannie. So here's how we're going to do it. You'll meet with me together, then Jarrett, then back together, then Jeannie, then back together. We did that for a couple of years, right? We've had, for us, this is what it looks like. I do my work, I support you doing your work, and then we can actually do so much of our work together. It is so much harder for us to do our work if I'm not doing my work, if they're not doing their work. It is infinitely more complicated for us to do our work. I think of a couple that, that we know, they're friends with, that were married previously to being married to each other. And they'd both had pretty rough divorces, and they knew they needed to do some work, their own work. And so they both found themselves in a divorce recovery class at their church. Isn't that awesome? There was a support group for divorce recovery, and they were in the divorce recovery group doing their work, and they noticed each other as they were doing their work. And this is well after their each of their marriages, their previous marriages that ended, and they started to get to know each other, and they really enjoyed each other, and they respected each other and appreciated how each other was so serious about doing their own work. And so they decided maybe one time after group we could hang out and keep talking about this group stuff. <laughs> and then that eventually formed into a relationship. And knowing what had gone wrong before, what was their part and the other person's part, they said, before we move any further, let's get some help. And so they got a counselor, a pre-marriage counselor, to help them identify their work, my work, your work, and start to work on it before they ever got married. And then they got married, and it was a beautiful celebration of them getting married. And this is what I love about them. They just told us a story the other night. The day after they got back from their honeymoon, the day after their honeymoon, they joined a couple small group. They started their first couple small group together. They just had the wisdom to know we need some folks around us to help us do our work. I'm going to do my work, you do your work, and we're going to do our work. And when we commit to doing our work, what we're saying is we got this. Mm -hmm. God's got us. I am with you. I am for you. We are actually better together. This work, as hard as it may be and as long as it may take, is worth it because you're worth it. I'm worth it. We are worth it. We're worth the work that it takes for us to grow in love, not just fall in love, but to grow in love. 
And what we've just found to be true in our life and the couples that we look up to love and respect and we've seen just this principle to be true is that the relationships that work do their work. Mm -hmm. They do their work. The relationships that work, that go the distance, that go the long haul, that are life-giving, God-honoring relationships do their own work. So the question really is, are you willing to do the work? Yeah, and I'm sure that many of us in this room are saying, yeah, I get that, right? My work, your work, our work, I want to do that. But, but what if I'm not in a relationship right now? Like, I hear you say, like, falling in love is, is easy and staying in love is, you know, the work. Well, falling in love hasn't been easy for you. And you find yourself in this room here today and you so, so long to be in a relationship. What, what if you aren't in one? What does this mean to you? What, what can you do? I would say to you the same thing. Do your work. Do your work. Get really, really good at seeing your planks, naming your planks to trusted friends, inviting people into your life saying, hey, I want you to know this about me. I want you to know that I have this tendency towards worry or I have this tendency towards fear. I have this tendency towards numbing out. I have this, I have this pattern and I, I choose to, to kind of numb myself and I choose these addictive things that are not healthy and I think that they're going to impact a relationship one day. I want somebody to know this now before I get in a relationship. And will you help me? Will you walk with me? Will you be a friend to me as I start to do my work in my life? And here's what I have, I've noticed about people that do their work. They attract others that are doing the same. They attract others that are doing the same. And I would say to you, if you are looking to get into a relationship and you are committed to doing your work and you find yourself with another person that is not doing their work, I would advise you to look long and hard if that is a relationship worth staying in. Now listen, I don't think you should ask on the first date. (laughs) (laughs) Who's your counselor? How long have you been seeing them? (laughs) That might be a little strange and you might not have a second date. But I would encourage you, I would strongly encourage you, if you detect this person is not committed to doing their work, just holding out hope that one day they might, you want to look for that. You want to see that proof in a relationship. So I would say to those of you that are not in a relationship, do your work. Secondly, what if I'm in a relationship with someone and they're not willing to do their work? What do I do? I would say the same thing. Do your work. work. Do your work. It is so tempting to want to do someone's work for them, but it will not make a difference in that relationship. Me doing Jarrett's work for him, do you know what that's going to do in my life? Exhaust me and keep me from paying attention to the work that God wants to do in my life. He doesn't grow, I don't grow, and what ends up happening is we just end up looking at the specks in one another while avoiding the planks that are in our own. I would say to you, if you are in a relationship with someone that is not doing their work, do your work as earnestly as you can. Share that work with them. Let them see how you're growing. Let them see what's happening inside of you. Give some feedback to that, but don't do their work for them. Don't become their coach. Don't become the person that's going to tell them what to do. Early on in our relationship, I used to ask Jarrett, so what are you thinking you might talk about in counseling today? (laughs) Guys, if I was not a pastor, I would be a fabulous life coach. (laughs) I I used to want to serve up. What do you think you're going to talk about today? And if it wasn't the thing that I thought he should talk about, I would say, "What what do you think about this? That might might be a good conversation. And it's fine. I'm I'm more than happy for you to jest and laugh at me. My hunch is some of you have done the same. Maybe you haven't put words to it. Maybe you haven't said it out loud. But you've, you've had this quiet hope like, gosh, I really wish this person would get this thing worked out in their life and then we would be okay. And all the while, avoiding what your work is. 
Next week, we're going to talk about when a relationship comes to an end. Because sometimes you're in a relationship and the person that you are with is not doing their work. And I would encourage you to come back next week. We're going to talk about how do you know? How do you know if a relationship is coming to a close? How do you know how to navigate that? How do you know how to walk through those things? Another question is, what if you're in a relationship and that relationship is hurtful or harmful? What if you're in a relationship that is damaging or destructive? I would say as clear as I possibly can, you have to keep doing your work, but you should never, ever, ever stay in an abusive relationship. Ever. You need to seek support, protect yourself, draw clear boundaries, invite help in, but never, ever, ever stay in an abusive relationship. What if you're in a relationship and that relationship is just hard? What would I say to you? Welcome to relationships. Yeah, <laughs> you're in the game. They're hard. Relationships are hard work. But keep doing your work. It is worth it. We are far from a perfect relationship. So far from a perfect relationship. But every ounce of work that we have done has been worth it. What I now recognize about our relationship this many years in is that Jared is the single greatest gift from God to bring about transformational work inside of me. He's been this loving presence of me paying attention to what God wants to do inside of me, not doing my work for me, but just being a mirror of support, showing me the areas that God wants to reveal about me. And you know, this last week, we probably all had a moment when we learned of the death of Kobe and Gianna and the seven other passengers on that helicopter. And we saw the fragility of life. We saw how fast. It's a vapor, guys. It's a vapor. And we get so caught up and and backwards and, and in our heads thinking, well, if you fix you, we'll be okay. It's too short. It's too short for us to have that distance from one another. It's too short to put all the blame over there. It's too short for us to just believe that everything will be okay if that person starts to do their work. Your invitation from our loving Father is to pay attention to the plank that is in your own eye and to trust, actually, that Jesus will take care of the speck in the other's eyes. So what we want to do in closing is give you some homework that you can actually begin to do this week. We really think that's important that we actually walk out of here with something to do. So I think you're going to be shocked. I don't think anyone's going to see this coming, what the homework assignment is going to be for this week. I don't think anyone would guess what I'm going to say is the homework assignment. Your homework for this week is do your work. (laughs) Really, that's as far as I got. Do your work. Jeannie's right. Life's too short. Relationships matter too much. You matter too much to God to not do your work. Do your work, whatever it means, whatever it looks like for you. Listen, right, right now, it, it, we're, you know, it's tax season, right? It's tax season. I don't know if you know that. It's tax season. You're probably going to pay a professional to do your taxes. Let me say it again. You should pay a professional to do your taxes, right? Maybe you have a car. Our friend Ashley's car broke down the other day. She didn't try and just like figure it out on her own. She took it to a mechanic who is a professional who knows cars and they fix it. If you've got serious fitness goals, you've probably brought on a fitness trainer to help you with your diet and your workout. You have no problem bringing in experts to help you in all kinds of areas of your life. So why wouldn't you bring in someone to help you with what matters most, your soul? God, I need help here. I need help. I got work to do. If you are, look, can we just normalize getting help? Especially for what matters most. For what matters most. See, your work is to do your work. And to help you do that, we have on our website a next step for you. We have a list of counselors and therapists that we have vetted, that we really believe in, met with, know them, 
They're incredible. It's all free, available to you. Like they're, they're not going to be free, but the list is free. <laughs> our, par- our part's free. <laughs> Sounds better when you say it's free. And it's also, we printed it. It's in the prayer hall as well. If you want to head to the prayer hall afterwards, you can head to the prayer hall and get that list. We want, we want you to have help and support to do your work, but that's your homework. Don't wait. Life's too short. Start today. All of us can do our work. So I want to pray for us towards that end. I'm going to ask you to actually stand up if you would. And we're going to do a little tactile prayer. We're going to do something together. Got a little old school church up in this place. We're going to grab hands. So you grab a hand of the person next to you. And why are we grabbing hands? Go ahead and like stretch across an aisle if you can. It doesn't matter if you know the person next to you or in a relationship with them. Um, the, this, the reason we do this is to remind us that you're not alone. You're not the only person with work to do. We all have work, and we need God, and we need each other more than we know. God, help us if we're all on our own. We need God. We need each other. We're not alone. You're not alone. So can I pray for you? Can we pray for each other? Let's pray right now. Jesus, thank you for this profound metaphor. So ahead of your time, Jesus. You just knew us. You know us so well to say that we're going to get so blinded by our own blind spots that we can't even see him, and we're going to focus and fixate on all the flaws of others. Jesus, thank you for the invitation to do our work. Would you help us do just that? Would you help us have the courage to get help? Would you help us to have the courage to ask for support? Would you teach us what it means to have compassion on others as they are doing their work? And even if they don't do their work, we can say, I get it. I got my own work to do. I have compassion. I have empathy. God, how we are in short supply of that in our country right now. Compassion, empathy, love, support. Would you help us to have that for ourselves and for each other? And we pray, God, as we're setting out to do my work and your work and our work, God, that you would do a work in this church. Mm -hmm. Do a work that only you can do, God. Do a work in our hearts. Do a work in reconciliation. Do a work in ownership. Do a work in forgiveness, God. Do a work in restoration, God. Do a work in new beginnings, God. Do a work in new stories, God, in our lives. Do a work that only you can do, God. We'll do our part. We're counting on you to yours. And so we trust you that you will. It's in your name that we pray. Amen.